0: Welcome to episode 35 of the podcast
1: Yeah, 35 (laughs) Welcome
0: You can't just repeat everything I guess you do look cute when you say it, so there is that But people aren't all watching, so you gotta, like
1: Thanks for joining us,
0: There you go, there you go Okay
1: I appreciate it
0: Are you ready to start off with some bad news?
1: I hate bad news. Me too. Okay, shoot.
0: Okay, so you know how last week we recorded this podcast, and I had this new bomb-ass intro that I made.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think I know where this is going.
0: And then I said, hey, let me know what you think. (laughs) But I clarified, I said, let me know what you think as long as it's positive right
1: oh well you did say that as i as always positive. say
0: that. If <laughs> gonna, people maybe
1: didn't take you seriously if you're gonna say
0: anything that's negative or that doesn't agree with me i don't want to hear it
1: <laughs> who does
0: you know i just want people to say like yes that was awesome yes mm-hmm. you're the best you're super cool stuff like that <laughs> you know
1: yeah which you didn't really get
0: no okay so this is let's just get right into it even though this is still the intro part these are some of the feedback I got okay and I say I I'm taking it personally these people
1: how long did you spend on this intro
0: hours like probably four hours okay Barbara Anderson new intro I positively don't like it smiley face 10 likes Oh. fuck all of you Okay. Then, David Kim uh, I didn't know that the former intro was Flea Voice The new intro definitely communicates what you're about more clearly, perhaps has a bit more meaning but since Seven made the other one it's catchy and it's Flea Voice I like the former one better <laughs> with a little face with a tongue sticking out at me
1: <laughs> Okay Next That's that it, it?
0: Okay. i mean yeah a few people said they liked it
1: Mm-hmm. yeah oh someone said it was too loud It, yeah, scared, it scared them <laughs>
0: that's pretty funny and we did have some te- technical difficulties last week <laughs> someone mentioned that with cammy's voice so oh bad.
1: was my voice scary
0: no someone said it sounded tinny but there was some audio oh, issue that was just oh. off i think I just Got fucked it. that up. Okay. Um, so anyways, I bust my ass for you guys, spend hours making this masterpiece and you guys don't like it. And then I kinda realized I don't know if I really like it either. <laughs> I mean oh. it was fun to make. And I like the idea of it.
1: I think maybe it's, it's maybe too... maybe in the future we could do more I think it, it it so I think people want simplicity. Yeah, it's too
0: complicated. Yeah. It's like okay.
1: Back to square one. <laughs> just put a plate back in.
0: It's, hey, you can't say it. I need to say it. Because oh. I'm the one that spent all the time on it. So I need to let it go. Okay. And no one else can do that for me. I, I have to have another, I'm not done yet. Give me another moment just to. Rant. Feel like I'm enjoying. The, the last
1: few moments. The of old new the intro. Old intro. <laughs> the old
0: uh, it was nice. It was an experiment. I learned a lot from doing it. But in the end, there is a lot of good ideas that just don't. They just don't work out. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. I'm ready to let it go now. All right. And in case you don't know us very well, we're really just kidding. Don't fuck all of you.
1: We do appreciate the honest feedback. Sometimes. Because if no one ever said anything, but most people didn't like it, we would have just kept it until maybe you you felt like you didn't like it or i felt like i didn't like it
0: i kind of deep down knew i didn't like it i wanted to like it and I, I liked the idea of it
1: maybe you just needed the process of making it and now you're like
0: okay. yeah i feel good all right i don't regret it but that being said here we are mm-hmm. back to the old intro that re- was recorded by seven and philia Podcast. we're back
2: guys <laughs> we're, back. we're back
0: it's like we never left <laughs> um okay this was a crazy week and we are recording this podcast super last minute not
1: so, on our normal night
0: yeah it's actually saturday night hang on let me light my cigar
1: it's right after dove's 18th birthday party which I can't believe my oldest is an adult now.
0: And normally um, we record on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, but this Tuesday was Dove turned 18. And yeah. I'm gonna tell us a little story here because we have a vlog coming out about it, but it's, it's a really fun story for me. I took her, I told her I was taking her out to dinner um for pizza and to go shoe shopping and because she's uh has her uh, driver's permit um she was driving and she doesn't really pay attention when she's driving like where she's going because she's just concentrating on not changing lanes
1: in an accident
0: <laughs> and killing us yeah. so i'm having her drive and we end up at like right next to the long-term parking in Cincinnati for the airport and I told her we took a wrong turn so I was like hey why don't you just pull over let's we need to figure out where we're gonna go and I said where do you think the best place I want to take you to someplace really special for your birthday that we could get good pizza and good coffee and and really find some shoes that would work for you I said where do you think the best place would be
1: not Cincinnati
0: (laughs) and she's just like well she was totally thinking Cincinnati Right. I mean, if someone asked you that, you'd be thinking, well, like, yeah, but... not well, the best place <laughs> in the world, but where are my options? Right. Um, so she's like, Dewey's? Like, that's where we get our pizza normally around here. And I was like, well, where do you think the best place in the world to get coffee would be? And she, finally, she was like, she was like afraid to say it. She was like, Stumptown? That's in New York and Seattle and Portland. <laughs> and I said, we have plane tickets that leave from the airport, which was one mile away, in two hours.
1: So what did she do? Can you reenact it for us? It's
0: really hard because Was she like no really? Or something like that. I mean I think she was kind of in shock. At first, like it didn't go as well as I wanted it to on camera. You can totally see why all those prank channels, they're all rehearsed. Yeah. You know, and they're all they're all scripted. The
1: best fake reaction. Yeah, so
0: the person who's like being shocked or whatever, they always know it's coming and they, they ham it up. But I, it was really important to me I wanted to recapture on video But I didn't want the video to Like run the show So I didn't she didn't know anything about anything
1: So you got out the camera At this point but was that... I was
0: filming it but I was filming the whole thing So oh, I mean okay. she just knew that I was so filming like The whole day for her birthday it was like nothing new Got it But really I had started a new vlog she didn't know that Like this was mm. the New York vlog But she thought it was just like the second half of her day
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: so what I wanted her to say like just for cinematic effect I wanted to be like where's the best place in the world I want her to be like New York pizza Mm -hmm. but she didn't want to say that because then if I say oh well yeah but actually we're going to this place down the street then she makes me look bad but she said later that she thought New York pizza Oh. so anyways then two hours later we're on a flight to LaGuardia airport in New York New York and under the guise of going shoe shopping and eating pizza and coffee which that was what we did but really it was just to be with her and to make her day special and I don't want to tell the story too much well I can't ruin it because you got to watch the vlog but but I will tell this part cuz this part was so good so I texted these friends of ours named Eddie and Kat, who we met on the Appalachian Trail. If you guys have seen our Appalachian Trail vlogs, this is the guy that played this like tin whistle for Rainier, especially.
1: Towards the end yeah, of our trip. New
0: Hampshire and Maine. We met them. And they were through hikers. And this guy is like a professional musician. Like he played on the Colbert Tonight Show or whatever. So he was like really good and they were really fun and we just hung out with them. We we're going the same pace and we eventually left him behind because they got injured and we were at breakneck speeds at this time. But I asked him, I said, Hey, do you, are you playing a show Tuesday night? You know, by chance. Cause he's always posting these like shows that he's playing. But I thought oh, it'd be so much fun to go to a show and watch you play the saxophone. And he goes, no, I'm not sorry. And then he goes, where are you guys staying? And now we're like two hours from New York. And I'm like, I don't know. Uh, we hadn't, I actually had thought about booking a place, but I was like, you know what, I think Dove would actually like the adventure part of not, of us having to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll sleep on a street, maybe we'll find a hotel, maybe we'll find an Airbnb. And by the way, we didn't pack anything. Like, I packed the camera, I and packed a fanny pack.
1: Dove's swimsuit.
0: And a swimsuit, because I did have a plan that we didn't end up doing if we had to stay in a spa instead of sleeping in a hotel. <laughs> and I packed a toothbrush for me, but I didn't know which one was hers, so I didn't pack hers.
1: That's funny.
0: I feel like there was something else. I brought a book. Mm -hmm. Anyways, that's it. So he goes, "Why don't you stay with us?" And we're like, "Oh, that'd be perfect." So Mm -hmm. we went straight from the airport to Brooklyn. Get there at like eleven thirty midnight. Hang out with them, shoot the shit, tell stories about the Appalachian Trail. Then,
1: oh man, I wish I was there. It was fine. That's the part I wish I was there for. I don't. I think Deb was the right person for you to take Oh, that made like made a
0: trip for her. Then we but he's no, like You guys know? want some pizza? And we're like, <laughs> Yeah. Like Do we? So we went out to New York Pizza, like the best place he said in all of the city. Joe's well, by the way.
1: Which they're they live there, so they know. They know.
0: Joe's pizza. Just this hole in the wall. Three dollars a slice. Isn't no big deal. The
1: best place to eat always hole and holes in the wall.
0: A lot of Depends times. on how you ask. So we're while we're sitting around this pizza joint, we're just like, you know, making conversation. I'm like really interested in what it's like being a professional musician in New York. Like that's a different world for me. Yeah. And he kind of like just in passing says, you know, if you guys weren't here tonight, I would be playing at this jam session at this local bar for jazz night. And we're like, what? He's like, because I, I think we were talking about how late he stays up. He's like, yeah, I'd be there until three or four in the morning. And now it's only like two or something. 230 and we're like well why don't we go and he's like okay he's like I should have brought my saxophone we're like well we'll take an uber back <laughs> and I'm like do you have to be 21 and he's like well I know the bartender don't worry about it so I'm like okay <laughs>
1: all
0: right <laughs> but I'm also a little nervous yeah so we go home to his home get a saxophone and an uber which I don't even, I, I like never do Uber. So even that's kind of an adventure for me because you just like mm-hmm. push this button on your phone and a fucking car shows up with a guy's picture that you just saw on the phone. It's like a dating service, but with a car.
1: I don't know if I could do it because I don't know my directions. maybe me on the southeast corner of, I'd no, be it's like, uh, it's, a, it's like, you just
0: look at the map. Okay. And then we walk into this tiny bar. Like the bar is about as wide as our house, narrower. Like you can't walk you to get in. You have to walk past the bartender. Yeah. And the bartender sure enough, he's like, yo Eddie, what's up? Mm-hmm. And they don't even like, look at us. We yeah. walk in the entire band is like jamming out, like not on a stage, but just like in the bar It's kind of weird. Super intimate hmm. guy jamming on a piano. Another guy playing a saxophone. Another guy playing a trumpet. Another guy playing a stand up bass a guy playing a banjo. And another guy playing guitar. And they're all like, yo,
2: Eddie, what's up? Mm-hmm. And
0: then, like, five minutes later, he's up there with his saxophone just, like, rocking out these jazz solos. <laughs> and I'm like, I've never seen anything like this in my entire life. And it's her 18th birthday. We're in a jazz awesome. club in Manhattan, New York, at a bar. It's her first time to a bar, and she's 18. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty cool.
1: That is really cool. It's so funny that we met them on met him on the Appalachian Trail, and then you see him. And then I'm
0: hanging out in fucking Manhattan, like the opposite of the (laughs) Appalachian Trail. Ironically, we were only one and a half hours from the Appalachian Trail while we were in New York City. Yeah. That's like Bear Mountain. I don't know if you remember that. That's where...
1: Is that where you can see the skyline?
0: It was where it was like crazy crowded. There was like this tower, we climbed up this tower oh, I and it was remember. like all these super people hot that day. Yeah, super hot. Yeah. At the bottom of that was um, the zoo, I right. guess.
1: Right. It was after we went through the zoo and saw our only bear in the
0: zoo. Anyways, that's story time. So, all that to say. That's yeah. why we didn't record this podcast earlier this week. <laughs> but we are dedicated. Yeah. We're here. We haven't missed a week in thirty-five weeks. We're not missing one just because we go to New York. Okay, today's episode. I thought it'd be cool, um, to talk about the marathon we just ran
1: mm-hmm.
0: last Sunday. So was that a week ago? Or was it two weeks ago? Now
1: I think it was two weeks ago.
0: Two weeks ago, we ran in the Cincinnati Flying Pig Full Marathon, twenty-six point two miles. Um, the video if you're listening to this, this this podcast is being released on a Monday we're releasing the video of the marathon on Sunday which is yesterday if you're you know, depending on how you're listening but the day before this podcast is released we're releasing the marathon video so there's going to be a spoiler alert alert in that we finished but we also already posted pictures of that so yeah, um, I do recommend watching that video because it's one of those that we put a lot of work into Um, It's like 35 minutes long, so it's kind of like a mini documentary style. But I wanted to go beyond that. And this is a weird thing to talk about, I guess. Um, Just to stick that out there because, well, you know, this whole thing of podcasting and vlogging, it's weird to know what to talk about because these things, some, some of these things feel like really normal to us. But some of the most normal things to us, we've concluded are the most important things for us to talk about. And then sometimes there's things that we're really excited to talk about that we talk about and they're not really that interesting or helpful to other people. But this marathon thing, being as that it was just released, I thought this is a key thing to talk about because running has been a really valuable tool for us. So I want to title this um, podcast something like three things we learned running a marathon as a family or three benefits um, to us of running marathon a marathon as a family in the hopes that it would turn this what's what's an extreme thing to a lot of people help break it down into principles where it actually becomes less extreme and possibly more valuable to more people because very few people are going to go out and run a marathon with their kids after listening to this which is fine i'm not trying to convince people to do that
1: but you could translate these principles to other things I think.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> so, let's get right into it, shall we? Number 1. We can do it.
1: Yeah. Which is crazy. Like I did my first marathon 3 years ago, I think, with the whole family. And that was with Flea. Flea and I did our first marathon together. Flea was 6. I was like 37. And it's funny. Like I was amazed that she did it. <laughs> and I was amazed that I did it.
0: We didn't. We never thought either of you would run a marathon. And and to backtrack. So I've, I'm on my, I think, fifth, sixth or seventh marathon. Um, but at one point in my life, not too long ago, like seven years ago, I hadn't run in almost 20 years. Yeah, I mean running was not interesting to me,
1: and I was never, I never ran.
0: And no, you you did.
1: Oh, okay. You
0: hated it, but did.
1: If you count the like half of a mile, I would run once every month or something.
0: I'll count it. (laughs) You attempted it at least.
1: That's true, I did.
0: And marathon for me was one of those like bucket list things where I was like, oh, I think I want to do that sometime in my life to say that I did it. I never thought I'd run seven of them. Yeah. So the reason why I'm sharing this is there was a point in our life not so long ago where this seemed pretty impossible. Now, after two, three, four, five of them, it's like, you know, the video now, it starts to feel a little bit contrived because we know we're going to do it. Which isn't actually entirely true because, especially with Flea and her feet, there's yeah. a, like there's always something that can go wrong.
1: Yeah, and when we have seven people, I mean, yeah, there's things that could go wrong with any one of us.
0: So we don't know, but we, at least we know we could theoretically do it now. Right. But at one point in our life, we didn't. And one of the biggest gifts I feel like we're giving our children is that they are going into their teenage years or their adult years, and they know that they can do that. Now, if they never run again, I don't care because I'm not trying to create runners. But I do like, as a parent, teaching my child what their ability is, at least one threshold. And having them, they don't have to wonder if they can. They get to wonder for the rest of their life if they want to, great, that's fine. That's a great question. That can change all the time. But I feel like there's a lot of people listening to this that might relate to our older years, younger years, and feel like they actually can't.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was crazy for me to see Folia this time around. Um, is
0: our uh, eight-year-old. Yeah, you don't know.
1: so this was her third marathon she was attempting and she had already done the Appalachian Trail and all of that. But...
0: Which she's completed the first two also.
1: Yeah, right. And to see her mental process was really interesting for me. Because about 15 miles in, her I think she was in some pain. And I couldn't quite tell how much. Um, but to her like quitting wasn't really an option at least for that amount of pain I don't know at one point in as a parent I was trying to like gauge it, but she like did not like I could just see this like fierce determination in her that I didn't know could exist in someone so young and it was really inspiring for me to see that and it they really challenged my my social norms or the stereotypes of how you view children and how you think they're so fragile in our culture, at least, and they can't handle much. You need to protect them and shelter them. And I do know that those things are also true, but this really challenged uh, a lot of that thinking for me and it, it stretched the envelope. I realized that, that she could do way more than, I thought she could do like even mentally, not just physically. Like I think the hardest part is the mental part. I think
0: she believed in the big picture, which that's what's weird to think that kids can think about a big picture. Normally I think of kids and I'm like, they're like me candy now.
1: And when she was six, I mm. don't think she could. I, it was interesting to see how she had matured in two years. Cause I could see like, she knew how this worked and she's like, I'm not quitting. Like, I want to finish with you guys. Like, I want to finish this. I want to, you know, experience every mile and it's fun for me, you know, parts of it. And so that was really, really cool to see. It was
0: cool. And I don't know, like with, with a lot of parenting, I don't think this has been our particular challenge. But I've seen it a lot. And a lot of people ask us this question with, like, the Appalachian Trail or uh, the marathon or running is they say that my kid couldn't go past the parking lot. Or actually, more accurately, what a lot of people say is my kid would be crying five minutes from the parking lot. And to that, I say, yeah, yep, we've been there.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Everyone cries five minutes from the parking lot adults usually cry on the inside (laughs) kids cry on the outside The question is it's what you do from there that matters and what I say to most parents that Say their kids can't do it I actually believe the parents are the ones that can't handle their kids doing it. The kids can do it. This is uh, I think we've had this is the we've had our third person join us on the marathon outside of our family that had virtually, not I don't want to say zero, but they'd never run a marathon. They had virtually no experience and no training compared to what's recommended for marathon training. And they did it, and they were smiling, and they were happy, which proves it's not a Crawford DNA thing. Yeah. And by the way, that's three for three. That's 100% of the people that have joined us have finished. Mm -hmm. And both was like, and all three of them were like, oh, that was like, cool. That was Mm -hmm. fun. I'd like to do that again. Yeah. It wasn't like a wrecking, you know, like I got to cross the finish line by the skin of my teeth. And what I think happens is kids cry, right? Because they're like, this sucks. This is hard. And parents, not having a better narrative, oftentimes basically rescue the child and say, well, let's go back to the parking lot because I can't handle you crying. Yeah. And therefore, by proxy, what they're actually teaching the kid not meaning to is they're saying you can't do it they're agreeing with the kid because that's what the kid feels at that time Mm -hmm. they're wondering and this doesn't have to be kids but they're saying i don't think i can do this that's the question they're really asking now how it comes out is through tears or pain or all these things um and i think we have to Decide as parents and individuals for ourselves, how do we deal with that pain and how much is too much and all that? I think those are great conversations to have, but I think it's a shame when we agree with our child and say, yes, Susie, you can't do this.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: there's a lifetime of that.
1: Well, I think, cause I've experienced a lot of that. And I think for me, the thing that's the hardest for me to get past mentally and emotionally is the parent guilt I feel when my well and and I feel like other people, especially if you're in a public place, other people are thinking, Oh, you're a bad parent if you let your kid suffer like that. Like I think suffering in our society with kids is like a big no no. Yeah. Like Because it's optional. Yeah.
0: And <clears throat> Well, that's kind of getting to our third point, so I want to hold off on that a little bit. But our first two marathons, kids cried. Our first two or three, there was tears. Yeah. I mean, because it hurt. And I cried my first marathon.
1: Yeah.
0: Partially because of the pain. Partially I was so emotionally raw, and I was doing this thing with my son. And I mean, I was just at the end of my rope after five hours. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, no one cries now because it's, it's just not really, it doesn't put us to the end of our rope, I don't think anymore.
1: Yeah. But I felt like, oh man, I hope like even at the, towards the end, you know, Flea was kind of, you, <laughs> she had this like pained look on her face. Yeah. And I was like, I felt self-conscious of the people that were watching us, like, are they going to think we're making her do this and
0: yeah it's kind of weird because the, when you think about making the general population happy you don't want people to see your kids in pain but yet also people love the message of especially a female child a, a girl being t- like telling her that she can do anything
1: mhm
0: you know and i'm all for that but yet our the way we get there as a society does not line up because we're We love that message that, oh, you can do anything. But really, we don't want to see our kids experience pain. And most of the good things in life, in our experience, involve pain. Yeah. So we have to get a little bit tougher skin as parents in being able to at least distinguish between, I think, good pain and bad pain. Yeah. Or unnecessary or unhealthy suffering and the type of pain that produces growth. And is actually just a part of life. So, you know, and and this is just something I have experienced after seven marathons. And I still don't even consider myself a runner. I'm I'm not passionate about running in particular. I don't enjoy every day I do it at all. I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, yeah, I got a runner's high. It's like better than sex. What the fuck is that? (laughs) Yeah, fuck that. Uh, But we consider it valuable to our life and it's i'm all for by the way if people are like fuck marathons and running i don't want to do it i'm like great don't i don't care yeah but if you're gonna say i can't do it i would actually say how do you know that because it's six hours it takes us six hours which is an incredible slow time i mean it's kind of depressing because I look at the people that we're finishing with and it's all fat people that look like they're walking. And I'm like, we've been busting our ass running most this entire time. Yeah. And we're like barely able to keep up with these people.
1: Yeah.
0: So I don't get it, but I don't care. <laughs> but my point is, I think humans can do almost anything for six hours. Yeah. I mean, six hours, it, it might suck, but you can do it. And for people to say, well, it's not worth it and haven't tried it, I would say, how do you know it's not worth it? So I just want to take that off the table and say, you probably can. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably can. So if you're one of those people that is saying you can't, we've learned that most people can Even six year olds can. Seven year olds can. A mom who had six kids who never ran, who didn't think she could do hard things can at the age of 37. And I thought that was badass when you ran that marathon for the first time.
1: Mm.
0: Because you, and you say this in the documentary, but you grew up, you weren't the type of person that did hard things.
1: Mm-mm. No. No, I did not. I ran away from hard things.
0: <laughs> so once again, I would prefer if people, instead of saying they can't, prefer to say, I choose not to. Great.
1: I ran away from hard things and I married you. (laughs) Try to put those two things together. (laughs) Okay, hell.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, number two. So number one is we can do it. The second thing we've learned is it's valuable to have goals that you need each other to accomplish. So... As I was listening to the kids interview, the thing they kept on saying again, 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 and actually it was Micah was the boy that joined us and he was, he just turned what? 14?
1: He turned 15.
0: 15. He was 14 when he ran the marathon. Yeah. And I guess his mom asked him, she told us she's a friend of ours, "Uh, do you want to run another one? And he goes, well, not alone. But I'd do it with the Crawfords if they were doing it again. Because mm-hmm. for us, it's this total social thing.
1: And he also said, who runs a marathon alone?
0: <laughs> Which, like, everyone runs it alone, I guess.
1: I, yeah.
0: But, but this this is, like, what I've observed, and this is, like, a societal thing, is, like, back in the day, humans had to fucking make it work because it was us against nature. So people would band together to kill the woolly mammoth, to start the fire, to plow the crops to whatever and they didn't have time to fight over petty bullshit as much because they needed each other to survive okay we're all post-survival like no one goes to bed that's listening to a podcast wondering if we're gonna have enough food the next day literally um you know we have first world problems internet stuff like that So therefore, what we've noticed with our family that it sounds like we've made it and we can say, okay, well, let's rethink. Well, those are all great things. And they are. But it's also a curse in that those challenges that used to bring families and relationships together don't exist, don't exist. So what do you do? You know, we almost don't need each other. Like if I am bored, like in the good old days, I would just like have to talk to you or have sex. Now, I can hop online, look at porn, watch a thousand movies.
1: Drive somewhere, fly somewhere. Connect
0: with literally a thousand people on Facebook or Instagram. Yeah. So, you know, you can see why the family appears to be disintegrating in a way. And I think there's pros to all those things. Like, it's nice. But the negative side is we don't have something that pulls us together as a family that where we get to really see each other shine and see that dynamic shine. And when we, when we do things like the marathon, which is a very arbitrary activity, I mean, anyone can go out and run 26 miles randomly tomorrow if they want 0.2, but it's an organized event. We sign up, there's a day, there's an exact distance so it doesn't make any sense in a way but it's just something we all agree hey let's do that thing on that day that event mm-hmm. and when we do it it's hard and we actually need each other to get through it emotionally
1: Yeah.
0: To in order to have a good time at least and I've noticed that that's a has a really cool effect on our family very similar to the Appalachian Trail and some of our best family moments have been before, during, and after these hard times that we had to create because, you know, I mean, like I said, back in the good old days, which maybe they weren't all that good, but you might actually have to run 26 miles to catch an animal. Well, We don't have to. We have to go to the grocery store. So, you know, it's all, it's kind of weird that you have to choose these, to do these difficult things in our society. Because you could probably go through most of your life not actually doing a difficult thing physically.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or at least, you know, yeah, avoiding. You don't have to run 26 or miles.
1: even mentally, like, you can sometimes avoid a lot of those things. But I think deep down, people do need other people. And, you know, even if you don't have your family or a biological family or adopted family like we're talking about I still think it's really valuable to have a group of people that you can band together and do something hard together yeah and there is something that comes out of that that I think we're missing a lot in our society I mean you have to go out of your way to find that and if you're and if you don't get that I th- I think I think there's like a a lot of disconnection happening and uh just kind of like this really like you don't really view yourself very highly. I I think thinking about my upbringing, my past even 10 years ago for me, I don't really think I saw myself as like an achiever like oh i could achieve great things i some people are kind of born with that personality where they're just they come out of the womb and they're like i can achieve great things but i didn't really have that um and so i had to achieve great things in order for me to realize oh i'm actually a cool person that can do cool things with other people
0: because because if you don't do that Basically, what your life consists of is making money, making people happy, checking boxes. And I'm not saying those aren't cool things, by the way. I mean, but they are kind of limited. Like, there's something that happens for me when I push my body to its limit. And I feel like it's doing something that was actually either evolutionary or um, spiritually designed to do.
1: And I actually do think you get a high off of that. Like after running a marathon, I feel like I'm Oh, it's cool. Amazing. Well, when like my I muscles
0: can't... are sore the next day, yeah, I feel like, oh, I used those muscles. Mm-hmm. And I don't use those muscles staring at a keyboard. Right. And don't get me wrong. It's really nice sometimes to sit on your ass and punch the keyboard.
1: And I do think this could actually translate to non-physical things too. Like, I think stretching your mind, you know, and creativity and all of that and even stretching your emotions, like being around people that are hard for you to be around, like all those things.
0: But what I've noticed with our family, and this is true of even our family, this isn't, you know, I'm not putting us in a different category. When we don't have something greater that we're trying to achieve together and kind of survival is the main goal of the day or week or month we kind of like devolve digress into like arguing about petty shit and being cranky it's just like okay we're all just kind of like existing and the most we can really say for our week is like we didn't die this week and i think there's 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 some nice things to that, but it's like we feel so much better when we say like and like Cammy said, it doesn't have to be physical. But you know what? Let's do this thing. Let's write this book together. Let's start this podcast. Let's run a marathon. Um let's, you know, run six miles even. Let's run to the bubble tea place. Let's you know, I don't know, let's explore our city. And those were, like, hard things that kind of brought out the, like, different family members have different talents. And then we, like, needed different people at different times. And I've always seen our family shine the most in those moments. But it didn't come from just adopting the default goal of the week, like I said, which is, like, more or less survival. It came from saying... We want a bigger goal than survival this week.
1: And I think doing these things has helped me see my potential that's inside of me, my kids' potential, Ben's potential. And and that is, I think, a, a huge, huge benefit is to be able to bring that potential out And, like, actually see it, it's work, like, the potential is now no longer a potential, it's actuality.
0: And I think it it comes back, that actuality comes back and changes the whole way you view yourself when you're not running a marathon, which is most of the time.
1: Yeah. I I just think, we yeah, we constantly need these things almost to, like, wake up and and remember. Say, oh, yeah, I have this in me. Um, I've kind of just been doing life for a while, just like ho-hum, and it's like, oh, wait a minute, I have this in me, and it's like a re a recheck, or just like a, a re-realization of, yeah.
0: Okay, well, so this goes to our third point, because this, this third point is really important to me, um, because I think people might feel like we're masochistic, um... Or we have a higher pain tolerance and i don't actually believe that although we might functionally operate that way now the third point is going out of your comfort zone is powerful and changes how you experience comfort so very simply put when you run a marathon you appreciate a lot more not running a marathon (laughs) yeah i mean (laughs) that, right. <laughs> let me like put it more probably applicably like when we do our training runs three days a week because r- realistically I think that's a lot more important to us than the marathon itself is we run basically 365 days a year. I mean there's exceptions. We, we've taken a couple weeks off since the marathon and there might be three weeks in the winter that it's too damn cold and we're too whatever.
1: But we're running every week usually. Yeah. yeah.
0: And and I'm always asking myself why, because like I said, I don't really. Especially
1: in those winter months, like, yeah. Why the hell are we doing this? It's not really
0: training at that point. Um, but I've noticed this: at home, let's just say I'm like existing, and I'm kind of pissed about the email or something, you know, or stressing out about something or other. When I go on a run in the cold and freeze my ass off in 23 degrees and push my muscles to run six miles and then I walk inside after that run and get in the hot shower I feel fucking alive (laughs) it is amazing to be alive in that moment and I wouldn't have you can't have that without going outside and busting your ass in the cold you can't appreciate and by the way our house isn't even that warm our house we kept our house at 59 so normally it's cold but then when i come out at 23
2: Mm -hmm. i'm like this is
0: great i'm so thankful that this is 59 right now i'm like 59 degrees is god's gift to mankind
1: but we need those contrasts to recognize what we have and how great it is what we have
0: and this is physiological i mean One of the guys that was like really influential to me in my teen years was two authors, Philip Yancey and a guy named Dr. Paul Brand, who is a leprosy doctor, Hansen's uh, disease doctor. And leprosy, for those of you that don't know, it actually, um, what it does is it just makes you numb. Your pain sensors. And when you lose your pain sensors, it's very dangerous because people, there's all sorts of weird stories of you'd like touch the hot stove and you wouldn't even know it because you couldn't feel the pain. And what was so fascinating about his writing paul brand's writing was that he said the exact same pain sensor the same uh nerves that feel pain are the exact same nerves that feel pleasure they're not it's not a different set Hmm. so the more you kind of like fine tune your nerves by experiencing pain the more the more pleasure you're also going to feel and on the flip side if you opt for numbness if you numb yourself from pain you are also numbing yourself from pleasure so when people i think they look at us and they're like oh you you know go running at stupid times cuz you like pain i'm like you don't even really get it like we do experience pain yes but we experience more pleasure also so we're actually just experiencing more period or feeling more you know that's to me it's a question of how much do you want to feel not what do you want to feel you don't get to choose what you want to feel yeah so I think it just it's totally changed you know the marathon it's a once a year thing not super valuable for us now anymore I don't think I think it's fun my kind of mindset with the marathon is like why not if I can run it I'm gonna run it maybe every year for the rest of my life or something just because I it's like why not but what's, what is valuable is these, this running like three days a week. It's just a disruption from my numbness. Hmm. You know, I mean, my life is I wake up in a bed with soft sheets, walk down, have coffee in a climate controlled house in my nice clothes that fit me or made by some slave in India. And then eat a breakfast that was made on some farm that I didn't have to get out of bed to, I never had to touch these animals or do anything. And then I like connect to the entire world on the internet with my keyboard. That's my life.
1: And you're like, hey, Cammie, can you refill my coffee, please?
0: Yeah, because I don't have to get up. Sure. (laughs) You do a good (laughs) job at it, though. So to disrupt that, yeah
1: man when you paint it that way i'm like dang we haven't made we We haven't we haven't haven't made but then it's like but but then there's also this part of us that is getting numb from it if if you don't disrupt it like you said if you don't disrupt it somehow
0: i mean the crude example can i give a crude example do you mind go for it if you're rubbing your dick all the time it doesn't feel good
1: Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And it might fall off. No, I'm just That's like all the old wives, so.
0: Well, it's like <laughs> it. any type of sensation only feels good because you don't have it.
2: All the time. Yeah.
0: You have to experience the lack to, ex- to notice the pleasure you or the benefit, the presence. Yeah. And this is true, I think, of muscle usage, of climate control, of even just like mental pain like you know a lot of those runs i i wouldn't say we're like really pushing ourselves the whole time but you usually there's you know there's seasons where there's like parts of it where it's like ah oh, this sucks I'm like every step hurts at times or mm-hmm. at least is dis- we experience discomfort maybe is a more accurate way and and i've noticed that that makes me appreciate being home and sitting on a couch and having a hot shower And even how my legs feel afterwards, better.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is crazy.
0: Okay, that's... I just wanted to... um, Because this is like an epic event for our family, and I feel like there's a lot there that is probably more representative of what we believe and where we come from, and we don't always get the chance to like talk about it explicitly. I wanted to share these things with you guys because and we believe them very strongly. And that's why we do that's why we do things like the Appalachian Trail or the Marathon. It's not that we are super like hiker people or runner people. It's all and I don't care, like, you know, some people not necessarily friends of ours, but have given a shit because they're like, Well you are always changing like, you know, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if in a year we're not running anymore, if we moved on to something else. Cause, cause I, I'm not married to running, but I guarantee you that we're going to have a value that we're going to be choosing to do something that's difficult. You know, that's been the consistent through line of the, at least the last 20 years of my life and, uh, something that we've consistently tried to raise our kids with. And, The one benefit, and there are negatives, you know, we could probably talk about that too at some point, but I think our kids, um, one, they know that they can. Two, um, they've experienced this value of working together as a team and that they know there's something greater than just survival. And three, I think they experience more pleasure than the average kid that's just, like, existing. Um... At and, least in some and, of these moments.
1: And more pain. <laughs> perhaps.
0: Absolutely. Not perhaps. Like, guarantee. They ex- yeah. On, on a marathon, Flea experiences probably far more pain unless some kid has a medical condition. She's right. optionally choosing more pain than any other child I know. That's why these videos are so damn controversial. Right. Hmm. Okay. Done with that. Done with the marathon. Done with that intro that you guys didn't like. But now we got some phone calls. Um, do you happen to know where our phone call sound effect went? Um, I think it might be W. Yep. Yes. Okay. I I actually haven't listened to these phone calls in a while.
3: Hi, this is Cliff uh, from Florida. I've heard you. Uh, you guys talk about a an experience you've had over the past few years um, with your uh, your faith community um, that um, has either caused you, or, or maybe been maybe some of the issues you had were caused by some changes in, in beliefs that you had um, <clears throat> during that period of time, and the reaction of uh, the church to that. Um, I had a uh, very similar experience uh, with a faith community that I've always been a part of, and at one church, uh, several churches, actually, in particular, in an area uh where we used to live <clears throat> um, in a completely different state where um, uh i had a few things that that i changed my beliefs on really minor things that um, that uh well i thought they were minor anyway obviously others didn't um, created a lot of uh toxicity um, in the community that we were a part of and um, uh ended up needing to uh feeling like we needed to just completely upend our lives, and and I gave away a business and uh, moved to a totally different state to try to, you know, create some distance with family and things that I thought would improve relationships long-term. Um, anyway, uh, we've been able to find a church down here uh, that, is, that is awesome, um, that we're able to be a part of. It's actually really a part of the same sort of faith tradition that we were before, um, and I do still believe in the Bible, but um, obviously y'all, y'all's journey's been a little bit different. So uh, I was wondering if you could you could share some details about that and and kind of give us some insight into to what's happened and and uh, and and what the what the journey for you all has looked like uh, in that regard, uh, if you're comfortable doing that.
0: Thanks. Damn it! I should not have played this call today because. I forgot that was this call I, I really Really do not know how to address this Because Really
1: good question good I'm sure a lot question. of people are wondering
0: I want to thing. tell the story like really thoroughly um, Like it could re- It could deserve its own episode Slash a whole series of episodes um, Because that's the level at which I care about it But
1: Do we give him anything?
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We'll talk about it a little bit. Um, Yeah. Man. What do you think? I mean, Nutshell is... So we grew up as part of the the evangelical um, brand of Christianity, meaning not Catholic and not specifically Baptist or anything, but kind of like modern American Christianity. And I think it provided a lot of benefit um, for our lives for quite a while. I appreciated it for a long time. I really enjoyed it. Um, It really was helpful to me. And then um, there's not like one thing that happened, but we did run into some issues where the way we were treated, and it's really hard to say we got kicked out of something because we kind of got kicked out, but we kind of didn't. There's a lot of vagueness around that because we weren't actually members of anything either. <clears throat> but it really forced us to come to grips with some information and see this organization and this kind of like system in a whole new light that you know, I have the feeling that one of the reasons why I'm so hesitant to talk about this is I feel like people are going to hear the story and they're going to be like, oh, you got kicked out, so you're bitter. And you're just angry at the thing. And we did go through phases of that. And I, while I'm not going to say that we don't have any of that anymore, I don't think that was the motivation. But really, it was information. And it, it, this happened enough times that I then started to look at the system and I saw these trends. It's kind of funny how he said you know, as minor things. And then he realized that they weren't minor to those people. That story, that's like the story. And this is the story of tribalism. Like to be a part of a tribe, you have to follow the code. And this is true of every tribe. It, the code might be different, but there's always a code and the code is always changing depending on which tribe it is and where it is. And, If it's Christianity, it even depends on what decade or century or region it's in, what that code is. It might be no dancing. It might be no sex. It might be no being gay. It might be no being Republican or no being Democrat, whatever it is. There's always a code. And if you violate that code, regardless of if you're following Jesus or the Bible, we have found that you will find yourselves outside of the tribe. It might be explicit. It might be less explicit. And this is a very alarming thing for someone that's taught us that the tribe is actually a spiritual state of being. Like if you're a part of the church, you're a part of God's family. Basically,
1: You're the elect, the chosen ones of God. So a Pretty powerful language.
0: So I know Cliff's not asking for this, but I want to toss this out because for listeners, you know, while I'm glad that you found a new tribe, I'll call it that, church, my guess is, this is what we've noticed, the fragility is you're always one step away, one minor belief away from being on the outside again. And to some people, they find great security in that. For a long time, I did, because it's 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 easier to know who your people are based upon who's in and who's out. But... I've come to see that there's a fragility in that system that is less attractive to me now and I don't want that to be my primary identity is based upon a tribe that's essentially based upon exclusion it's I mean it it's based upon who's in but really when you're saying it's based upon who's in it's really based upon who's out
1: you could also use the language who's winning and who's losing
0: for me to be right you have to be wrong (laughs) So I know that that's not as nitty and gritty as I'd like to get because really I'd, I'd like to just tell my story. But that would take an hour or two and we'll get there. Um, because we've, we've gone through various stages of feeling like guilty for having our story then feeling guilty for sharing our story because of the people that it implicates to now being like, fuck it, it's our story, we need to share it. But I want to do it in a way that's you know, just not speaking from our pain. Um, but I also don't feel like it's it's optional either anymore. Like if we get to share it, I feel like we have to because, and I'd rather not, honestly, because I know how it can be misconstrued, especially by people in our past. But fuck them, we're doing it. But not today. Okay, second question.
4: Hey Ben and Kimmy, this is Emily. I'm calling from North Carolina. And my question is in response to the porn episode that you guys just released. Um, at one point, you're talking about, um, you know, watching porn in relation to – not in relation to, but uh, you're, you're kind of talking about the Bible and how the Bible doesn't necessarily say that porn isn't okay, or maybe I got that wrong. I'm not sure. But my question for you guys is, and it's a big one, so get ready. What do you guys think – What's your opinion of having sex with other people together in your marriage? So that's basically where me and my husband are at right now. Um, We're both kind of open to the idea of welcoming a third or fourth person in for just some fun every once in a while Um, I don't know if we're there yet, but it's something that we're talking about. It's been a fantasy, and we're talking about if that's something we would actually like to try. And I was just wondering if you guys um, had any thoughts on that, because I know you're very open um, with, like, porn and your sexual fantasies and your desires and stuff like that. So I was just wondering if you guys had talked about this. Um, I mean, yeah, not to be weird. I'm just wondering where you guys stand on that um anyway i appreciate the honesty i appreciate the
0: podcast and yeah thanks guys bye i love how she says not to be weird hang on i gotta this sound effect is for um specifically this question but also the previous one <laughs> fuck me. uh
1: yeah Swing. yeah what
0: yeah, fuck you. Swinging. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. <laughs> okay. Um Well, I appreciate that question. That's yeah. weird. We can't answer it. So, move on to the next question. No,
1: it's I love I love that you asked it. I really do. Well,
0: she says that this is something they're dealing with. Yeah. Which makes me think we can't put this off. Um okay. So, I would I wish we could have answered this question let's just say 3 years ago back when our sexual belief system was such that it was like Sex is for a man and a wife.
1: A man and a wife, sorry.
0: Period. (laughs) End of story. Whatever. A man and a woman. One person, one other person. Within marriage only. Now, I I think there's some wisdom to that. I think there's some guidelines. I don't... We don't see that as a rule anymore. Um, And that's offered all sorts of freedom and confusion and um, opportunity to explore fantasies and to grow and to experiment. And I, I feel like I have to say this because it's my spiritual background, but it's condescending as hell. But I have to say it, which is like, okay, if you're going to experiment, like you have to know that like sex can get people pregnant and you can get a disease and die of AIDS.
1: Don't people fucking know that? Yeah, but though?
0: that's like... I had to say it. I just had to say it. okay because it's like you know it's like lawyers covering their ass in a way okay.
1: <clears throat> um, we don't want to get sued <laughs> by an unwanted pregnancy if
0: you if you're like well Ben and Cammy said that I could have sex and then you get pregnant and you're like I didn't know this could happen <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, so given that you know it there's those complications um, which everyone already knows about that, so that's why I say I, it is condescending to even mention that, um, we don't believe in a rule book that prohibits that. Um, I don't even think the Bible prohibits that, like, if we're going to be honest.
1: Mm, not for ma- males in the Bible. <laughs> Let's just put that one out there. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. That's, that's... <laughs> There's concubines all over the fucking place. That's not <laughs> Um, (laughs) no pun intended actually no there was a pun intended there wait what's the pun i i kind of said something not even english (laughs) what never mind okay let's just move on
0: (laughs) wait was that a
1: i said it's not even makes sense but never mind (laughs) move on move on
0: okay okay i'm really i want to hear the pun i'll tell you later is it a good one
1: I said, I said something like they had concubines all over the fuck up place. They're fucking concubines all over the fuck up Anyways, okay. See, I knew it would ruin it. I mean, it was never even really a good one to begin with. Uh, all
0: right. Nothing um, to see um, here.
1: Move <laughs> along. Move along. Thank Every you. Every time you
0: say that, it makes me want to look, though. <laughs> um, so, I would say if you and your. I mean, the the important thing for us, like we have, what what agreements do we have in our relationship? Um, I think we have an exclusive priority type of arrangement ish, mm-hmm. where, you know, Cammy's feelings on, uh, you know, I've I've pledged. I, I don't remember what our exact marriage vows were. <laughs> we wrote them <laughs> ourselves and. That was 19 to years
1: death ago. death do us part. Um, Maybe.
0: But, I don't know. you know, I feel like I'm not into the sexually exclusive everything anymore. Like, I don't think we own each other's sexuality. I do think you have sexual priority in my life. And this becomes really important because, and people might freak out when they hear that, but... The degree to which you can take it if you own each other's sexuality is you own each other's sexual thoughts. And you have no right or benefit to fantasize or to think about or consider a sexual fantasy with yourself or anyone else besides me. And that seems, not only does that seem unbiblical, that's extremely codependently dangerous is like my experience with that line of reasoning. And it's amazing how spiritually manipulative and abusive I think it actually is. So, Mm -hmm. I don't even want to go on that tangent. I agree with that. um, But that... So then, I mean, it sounds weird to say this, that you don't belong to each other, at least from the background we come from. But the other way doesn't make any sense. So, by default, I have to say, no, you don't belong to each other. And therefore, you can... Um, engage in sexual activity with other people. Now to the degree to which you extend that, I think that's where it becomes confusing because growing up, I mean, we heard a pastor tonight we're talking with uh, um, not going to reveal their identity, say that at one point they would have a rule where they were like in a room and they would not hug a woman or they would not leave the door closed. And that was So that was their way of saying, no, I only experience sexuality with my wife. My wife owns my sexuality. My wife even owns the perception of my sexuality. And I'm not even going to touch another, like hug another woman. Like, because that may or may not be sexual. So I am fine if a couple says, oh, we want to hug other people or kiss other people or whatever, as long as it's consensual with people in in the couple. And the reason why I say that is because you have an agreement with that person, where you said hey we're gonna do life together um and it to me it gets really sticky when when one person's not holding up their end of the arrangement like
1: like sneaking around kind mm, of thing or
0: no that's that's blatantly wrong to me because like sneaking around if you're gonna Cheat on someone. It's or, gonna
1: corrode your relationship.
0: That, be, but that has yeah. nothing to do with sex. That has to do with yeah. sneaking around. Period. If you're sneaking around doing anything, I would say sneaking around is damaging to relationships. Um,
1: yeah.
0: Just in general. But right. We're, I'm not talking about sneaking around. I'm talking about saying, "Hey, if we want to, um, engage in what could be considered sexual activity with someone else, if we both agree, if it's consensual, um." then that's the that's the key to us is that it's consensual
1: consensual with each other consensual
0: like, with all parties
1: right okay yes
0: anything else you want to say <sighs> i mean there's a whole
1: i mean that's a whole can of worms <laughs> yeah um but i i like what you said Thanks, I, think I think i agree with all of it
0: hmm Okay, I'm not off my soapbox yet. I should I should be moving on to the next question, but I, I can't leave it be. The, the um, worms
1: are crawling out <laughs> slowly.
0: I, I think we've addressed this fairly recently, but what scares me to death is, I mean, the Christian lines we used to say was, that oh, this is dangerous, and sex is for, like I said, one husband and a wife in a marriage, blah, blah. And... Anything else is like um, adulterous, dangerous, going to result in pregnancy, abortions, rape, and yada yada. And that, once again, was extremely <clears throat> manipulative, controlling, and codependent, and unbiblical type of manipulation fear-based manipulation. So I'm fine if, if people say, I don't want to... Like, we've we've decided not to do that in our marriage. We, we only touch each other. Great, fine, whatever. I don't care. Like, you could say, we only go out to fast food with each other. We don't go to fast food with anyone else. Great, whatever. It, uh, it doesn't matter to me.
1: That's your preference.
0: But when we start saying, oh, the Bible says, or it's going to result in A, B, C, and D, or you know, I'm not going to talk to a girl because my wife will become insecure. That's basically saying that her self-worth is based upon my sexual preferences of her. That is really fucked up. Codependent <laughs> shit. Well, okay, I think let me phrase that. I think
1: dangerous it's, to your it's, marriage. It's
0: actually not. If we're going to call it that. If we're just going to say, hey, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm so insecure that I, I need my wife to my husband or my partner, whoever they are, to, to, to think that they only think about me, great. If you're going to admit that. But when we start spiritualizing it yeah. and creating an edict for all people based upon that, that's when my patience starts to get very thin.
2: <laughs> hey, Ben and Tammy. Faith here from Los Angeles, California. And I have a question for you that I think will spark some hopefully helpful discussion. Um, So first, a couple things I've observed from you guys and heard from you guys. Um, So I've heard you guys share that you have that you don't really have um, a problem necessarily um, with porn as you defined it on a previous podcast. Um, Also, I've heard Ben mention um, wanting Cami to grow into her individuality and grow as a person um, independently. Um, and so just given those things, I've observed that it seems that you guys have an unusual amount of spaciousness within your marriage to kind of let each other um, make choices and, um, you know, basically be your emerging selves, um, which I think is, is really great. Um, but that got me curious. Um I wonder if you could articulate for me some of the boundaries you guys have in place in your marriage. Um, I know this is um, a big topic that people are interested in. I'm aware of a whole book called Boundaries in Marriage by Dr. Cloud and Townsend. Um, And I think there's a lot of, um, you know, an epidemic of, you know, people kind of being secretive and – going out on each other so I just wonder how you guys handle that in your marriage I know there's a lot of trust there but um yeah do you make an effort to protect anything with specific boundaries so anyway lots to think about and discuss around that topic but take it whatever direction you'd like and I appreciate you guys listening bye
0: I sense a theme here
1: yeah thanks faith for that Where do we go with that?
0: Well, I'll tell you where I want to go with that. Is.
1: Cigars? (laughs) Oh, that was just me. Go ahead. That was funny.
0: We, I feel like we have a certain degree of authority to speak on this because we believe these things so strongly not so long ago. That porn was wrong. That we had a million boundaries in our relationship that were somewhat arbitrary cultural ones like, like porn, touching, blah, blah, And one of the reasons why we really started doing away with those boundaries and a lot of other boundaries in our life, by the way, this is not just our sexuality or marriage, this is our parenting with our kids. And this is extended to every area of our life
2: yeah.
0: is because I started to become challenged by the underlying motives behind the boundaries there was one article in particular that I read a while ago that it was just, it was an article saying that porn is not destroying your marriage. Because a lot of the the spiritual pastor thing to say, like, a marriage will be struggling, the dude will say, I look at porn, and then they'll be like, blammo, porn is ruining your marriage. And this article was just kind of saying, porn isn't, but what is? You know, well, lack of communication, insecurity, jealousy, Um, You know, all the things that the porn kind of triggers and forces to the surface, um, a lack of sexual compatibility in, in either desire, willingness or the tools to work through that. You know, lack of sexual growth.
1: The porn becomes the scapegoat so that you don't have to look at those other things. Yes. Yeah.
0: So then people are like, everyone agrees. Oh, yeah, porn is bad. Porn, okay, let's try and get rid of the porn. And then you never look at how the woman is an insecure bitch, I'm generalizing, and how the guy is sneaking around and hiding things and hasn't had, hasn't been honest or, you know, the stupid generalizations. Insecure dick. (laughs) Yes. Um, And those things are the things that actually, I believe, do destroy relationships or at least things on that level so the boundaries for us for me are things on that level so and i don't even know if i'd call them boundaries because boundaries to me you know you mentioned the cloud and townsend book that's almost a separate concept of Mm self-protection at least that's how we've used the principles from the from that book but in terms of protecting a relationship, um, for me, there, I'll just toss out two things that are really important. One is I want to see us thrive as individuals. I don't think if we're thriving as individuals, then that we will thrive as a couple. Like, period.
1: Wait, you said... If we thrive as individuals, we will thrive as a couple. Is that what you said?
0: I am saying that, but I didn't say that. I was saying the opposite of that. If we're not thriving oh, as individuals, yeah,
1: you then, cannot um, expect
0: someone to thrive. You cannot expect a first, relationship to first thrive. First, you're an individual. Yes. Yeah. First, you're an individual. And that's like...
1: Which is not something that I came into our marriage believing.
0: No, and that's that's like erased in spiritual churchville. Where they're, like, it, the two are becoming one. Yeah. And th- there's all this emphasis. Which I just want to,
1: like, vomit every time I hear that because it was so misused. Yes. Where it was just like, okay, so that means I don't have my own preferences. You don't have your own preferences. Well, you take one
0: verse and you develop a whole theology and practical yeah. lifestyle around it. Yeah, it's messed up. Um, <clears throat> so I want to prioritize our individual growth. Um always like and that happens over by the way almost anything we prioritize individual growth over money income education degrees i mean that's why we do things like the Appalachian trail or whatever that's it's basically why we do this podcast because we believe in this is a part of our individual growth and this is a part of people who want to listen their individual growth um the second thing is um be honest So to me, that means like no sneaking around, like face reality. So that's a that's kind of a boundary where or a principle, I guess, where if I'm lying to you or sneaking around, I will feel like I'm failing you or the relationship. Or if I feel if I catch you lying or sneaking around, then I will feel like I think really hurt. Um, because I feel like you're violating an agreement that we have to be honest with each other. Because I, I also believe that honesty is one of the best tools that we have to merge the relationship, which ironically, back in Christian land, people weren't very honest guys had all sorts of fantasies. I mean, I'm assuming girls do too, but I mostly heard the guy side had all sorts of fantasies that they were encouraged not to share with their wives to kind of suppress or try and remove, which by the way, like psychologically never worked. Um, and, you know, there's a whole art and book series around that. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the things that come to mind for me.
1: Yeah. I, i'm struck by how boundaries are pretty subjective and i actually think they have a lot to do with someone's personality because uh, even just hearing your boundaries like i agree with them to a point but i think i practice them differently because my personality is so different from yours like the, even take the honesty one for example um I would say I'm pretty honest, but at the same time, there's times where I'm not even honest with myself and I like don't even realize like, cause I just want to keep the peace with you. Yeah. And so I'm just, Well I get, I get
0: really hurt when you do that.
1: Yeah. But I think it's because of your personality yeah. and you're, you're, that's so important to you. So I'm trying to think of like, well, what is important to me? Um, and I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Cigars. like being put on the spot. <clears throat> Uh, I don't really think very fast, but like, I don't think I like, like, I, I know I have certain triggers. Like if you're pushing me too hard, I'm like, whoa, back off. But it actually takes a lot for me to get to that point. Well, we,
0: we addressed this in the previous question, which is one thing that, that actually didn't used to be a top level priority for us is consent. Yeah. but now it is i mean it was in a way where if i if we could you could almost coerce a partner so like you know there was a lot of emphasis in the faith tradition we came from at least certain brands of it where it was like specifically if the women like didn't want to have sex and they had kids and they were like dealing with postpartum stuff it was like well still like you kind of owed it to the guy to have sex Well,
1: again, going <clears throat> if you spiritualize it then it becomes coercive and manipulative. And-
0: so you're like, I guess in a way it's consensual, but it's not really consensual on the deepest level. Yeah. Because you're you're really only kind of just trying to satisfy code. So it's hard to really understand if that's consensual, but I think there's a deeper level of consent that I'm more interested in now, which is like honoring of an individual's makeup, history, and desires. Mm-hmm. I don't know
1: if this is a boundary, but I have come to realize for myself that I am allowed to have my own preferences and that those are completely valid. I know that might sound weird to some people, but that was something that I I needed to actually learn. And I I think that could be a boundary for myself. It's like, oh, this is my preference. I can either choose to forego my preference for your preference or not. But that's my choice.
0: And I'm all for having, um, you know, I'm not trying to mock or belittle the traditional boundaries that are present in marriage. If couples say, hey, we agree that we're not going to, you know flirt with or talk to someone of the opposite sex or whatever you know for periods of time you do what you gotta do you create systems and schedules and rules and budgets and all sorts of things to get through life because life is hard um, and but,
1: we're at different stages of life and different maturities and
0: yeah. but you yeah. do that because you agree to it and because it works for a period of time yeah. assuming that it works and then afterwards you look at it and you're like, hey, did that work or not? Do we want to do that or not? And you evaluate it and then you move on. You don't canonize it and say this is the way to do life. Um so we've tried a million things like all of which were helpful to get us to where we are. And I think there was all sorts of times where, you know, we didn't look at porn for well, huge chunks i mean most of our marriage like you hadn't looked at porn in 15 18 19 years ever in your life and i stopped for eight years you know and masturbation and you know that was what a lot of our sexual life looked like and that was great that was fine Mm -hmm. you know that got us to where we are um but that that was just us in that time period Alright, wow, this ended up being longer than I thought it was going to be. Some
1: juicy questions.
0: Yeah, seriously. Way to go, guys. Actually, we like it. I mean, it's better. It's no, better than... we don't
1: have to cricket <laughs> anyone. It's no crickets for anyone tonight. If anything, we'll do this.
0: Wow, that's really generous of you. I, th- I think they deserve it. <laughs> um, except for, update, chair fund, $99 still. No pressure. I'm not trying to manipulate anyone. I'm just stating the facts. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> what are you looking for? I'm
0: looking for a sound effect that's appropriate. But I don't want to do a boo because I don't I don't really feel like anyone owes us anything. But I feel like for the chair fund this week...
1: Mm, yeah.
0: Sorry guys. Had to do it. I don't make the news. I just report it. Um, but... Another good week. Um, thanks for this discussion. Let us know what was helpful. Let us know what you think of our new old intro clip. Um, only if it's positive, though. Sorry if you got really attached to the old one <laughs> and we're bailing on it. Um, uh, if you want to leave a message, the phone number is 206-651-5744. That's, of course, in the show notes. And this is available on all the stuff, the iTunes and the Spotify and... All your apps and all your places and things. And I'm um, happy to be here. Uh, it's fun. I think there's a lot of messages coming to this last week. And I, I just love that people are asking the same questions that we've asked in our life. And it makes me feel not as crazy. And I know by answering them, all sorts of people are going to be like, I knew it. I knew it.
1: I'm unsubscribing.
0: <laughs> but... Uh, that's cool, we get it, this isn't for everyone but for those of you that are really at this place where you're like, wait a second do I really need to do all these little things to be that type of person (laughs) we're here to say what's worked for us alright, go out there and run a marathon with your kids thank you for listening to Fight for Together we'll see you next time fix that in post you did this twice